You're listening to the Out of Range Podcast with Tony Franklin, powered by Bowl TV. I'm ready. You're ready. Now, let's get out of range. Hey guys, uh, Bo McVeigh here. Got asked by the boys to do a little uh, intro for the podcast. Uh, and uh, full disclosure, and I got a little nervous. Uh, public speaking isn't really my thing. But then you know, I thought about it a little more and I realized there's nobody listening to this. Whew, what a relief that was. So anyways, without further ado, this is the Outer Range Podcast presented by Bolt TV. Do me a favor, tell your friends to listen. Later. And for those of you uh, keeping score at home, that was Matt's gambling consigliere, Blow McVeigh. Uh, personally, I'm hurt, <laughs> offended, and hurt. I actually figured he might take a few shots at you guys, but I don't know, man. He did. He said no one listens to the show, Matt. You know, there's at least four, maybe even five people listening to this show on a regular I, basis. I, I can confirm that I think we have more than that. I think we've got between the 10 to 20 range. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I don't know. Well, he, sh- he should feel that way because uh, nobody's listening anymore after those picks last week. God. Yeah, we'll talk hold, about that later. that thought. All right, this is the Outrange Podcast, Episode 9. We've got a packed agenda for you today. Uh, let's get right to it. This week uh, is going to include a review of Matt's locks of the week, if you remember those, which I hope you didn't. Uh, we're gonna finish off. Our, <laughs> we're gonna finish off our video game top ten list. I do expect some fireworks, disagreements, hotly contested rankings coming up from the crew. I'm pretty excited about that segment. Very excited. Uh, the PWBA week in review, fantastic title match with a shocking finish. And then finally today, an interview with our Ebonite International Tour rep Sean Ryan. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit of bowling his highly questionable food choices, and, of course, tennis shoes. Matt DeHart, good evening to you both, my friends. What's up, T-Franks? What up, Tone Loke? You know, let's not waste any time. Let's get right down to it, all right? I want to get into Matt's picks. So let's go ahead and start off with a review of his locks. And to kick this off, there's a couple of audio clips that I would like for everyone to listen to. You can't go against the city of Boston. It's game seven. Actually, St. Louis should have wrapped this thing up in game six. But uh, I know the, the Blues have been tough on the road. They have a better road record than they do at home. I'm sticking with the Bruins. That's what I'm pulling for. Um, so give it give it to me. 5-3. Bruins beat the Blues. It's going to be a shootout. Um, Bruins uh, win the Stanley Cup. And I don't care what anybody says. They're going back to Oracle in game six. Mortgage the house that that Golden State wins game six. <laughs> I mean, there is no don't way they haven't mortgaged the house. Don't, don't do it. But Go if ahead, you man. want to, you can. So, uh, guys, they haven't won a game in the NBA Finals at Oracle yet. So they're going to win game six. This thing's going to seven. And if we're if we're talking an elimination game, to, one game for all the marbles. I'm not betting against Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, the Splash Brothers. I'm just not going to do it. So I think Golden State's going to go back-to-back. They're going to take care of business and, and Oracle. They're going to go to Toronto. That's a tough place to play right now. So just to recap, the bullet points here are you don't go against Boston 
and wager the house on Golden State. The actual results of those two games were St. Louis clobbered Boston in Boston, 4-1, to one, and Toronto went into Oracle Arena for the third time in this series and dominated 114-110. to 110. Matt, your thoughts? <laughs> I know for a fact, Tony, that you've been looking forward to replaying those audio clips. I know this is how exactly how you guys wanted this to play oh. out. There's no chance that you wanted me to go three and zero, and you had you guys had to say, "God, Matt, those locks were. I mean, they were 100 percent solid. We need we needed this to happen for the show. Am I correct? I didn't want it to happen. I knew it was going to happen, <laughs> and it really pissed me off because I wanted to bet on Golden State just to win the game, not cover, just win the game. And I was, just, I was, my finger was hovering over the submit button, and I was like, I can't do it. Matt said that that Golden State can't lose. I I can't I can't bet it. I just had to sit there and watch. And as soon as your boy Clay went down, I was like, knew it. You mean Frisco Doug look alike? Frisco Doug look alike. So so, so so go ahead, Derek. I was just gonna say, Tony, when you say hover the over the submit button, was that like your mortgage, or is that just a friendly well, he, dollar amount? He did say to wager the mortgage or bet. You know, bet the house, wager the house, I believe was the correct pronunciation of his uh, his all-in wager. But no, no, no. I was just going to make a friendly wager, which I hey, which couldn't house, even do though? that. Which house, Tony? I mean, you'll be fine. You'll be fine <laughs> if you lose one. You got another one or two or three, you know. So Let- so if we if we start with the Bruins, I, I mean, I really can't say anything here, folks. I, I did not see this coming at all. Uh, and I don't think neither did probably 65% of the betting public. I mean, when it all comes down to it, I'm still standing by my phrase of don't bet against Boston, no matter what sports, right? Did you guys, I have to ask you, I mean, did you guys watch the game? D-Hard, I know you watched the game, right? Because you're a pretty big hockey fan. Tony, did you watch? Did you watch we, it? we were actually bowling league, and I was just watching it out of the corner of my eye. So, so I have to ask. Did you pay attention to the commercials early in the game? And this commercial has been playing throughout the playoffs where I can't even remember what commercial it is, but it's the walrus in the goal, in the goal net or in the net. Yes. And he's, he's just can't, he's blocking everything. And the guys yes. are calling in from the bench and the coach is throwing him fish, right? That was basically what Bennington was like for St. Louis during the entire game. I mean, the guy was, the guy was pretty unbelievable. They're tossing fish out to him and he's like, ur, 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 catching it. I mean, he's playing amazing. I mean, I have to give it to him. The, the guy was phenomenal. Um, I think early in the game, Boston missed some shots that they probably should have put in, in the first period. And, and we all know in sports, obviously when you get down big, it's, it's pretty tough to come back from, but I have to give kudos to St. Louis. I do like the fact that, I mean, that, that organization, the Blues have not won a Stanley Cup in, in, since their existence started, right? So kudos to them. Um, I, 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 most of the betting public was on Boston, in Boston, but uh, that one went down in flames. And, yes, the score was 4-1. Um, as far as the Golden State pick, I don't know any comments on the hockey before we roll over. I mean, I know you guys are dying and chomping at the bit. I'll shut up. <laughs> but neither here nor there. So moving on to my giant second giant failure of the week uh, would be the Golden State Warriors versus Toronto Raptors game six. So, you know, first off, I've just got to start with three initials for you. F V 
V. And that would be for my boy Fred Van Vliet, point guard, former point guard from Wichita State University. Uh, he was a four-year player here from us, for us. And, and you know, I'll, I'll actually take the loss here. I was pretty pumped up to see how he performed in the fourth quarter to watch him oh, man. Drain, drain four threes. I mean, no, no doubt Kawhi was like quadruple team, so somebody's going to be open. But Fred knocking down those shots uh, was was pretty awesome. And to see him single-handedly take over the game uh, was, was so cool to see. So, I mean, he basically, not to mention, completely shut down Steph Curry. I, I know, I mean, I don't know if you guys watch the game or not. And Tony, I know you're a big NBA guy. Yeah. But to see him, to see him be all up in Steph Curry's face and really neutralize Steph from that side really spoke to how he played basketball here at Wichita State. So I was super pumped to see that. Uh, I know I didn't win there, but I'll, I'll totally give that away to see Fred do what he did there from that side. So really, the second point, Clay going down was a killer here for me. I mean, the guy was on fire. He had 30 points uh, underneath his belt whenever he went down and basically blew out his ACL. And, and at that point, whenever that happened, at the end of the third quarter, Golden State basically was leading. So Clay goes out with two minutes left in the third quarter, and you know it's it's a different ball game at that point. So um, without Clay and Durant on the on the court, it's gonna it's gonna make Golden State suffer from that side. So, but pretty cool to see Fred take over. Yes, I apologize for any folks that AKA mortgaged the house there, but uh, you know that's a pretty tough place to win a ball game in, and to go zero and three in the finals is a statistical anomaly at this point. So it is, um, it is. All right. So that's two locks down. Now we have the U S open. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'd like to consider my plays and picks, even though one of our guys did not win, I'd still like to consider this a win, but so that would call us, that would leave us at basically one and two for Matt's locks. Not a great way to start. We're going to keep on trucking, but so Super pumped for Gary Woodland. He's a Topeka, Kansas native. He went to Kansas University. He was a Jayhawk. And if memory serves me correct, you know, Derek, I know, and, and Tony, you guys are both big golfers, but this guy was 0-7 with the 54-hole lead. I didn't really even realize <laughs> yeah. it was that many. I mean, talk about an absolute terrible stat, 0-7 with the 54-hole lead. And the guy righted the ship, right? He's got the human cyborg, Brooks Kepka. Uh, breathing down his neck, Kepka comes out four under through five, and and Woodland started two under through three, so it wasn't like he you know was a slouch kicking off the final round. But you know from from my perspective, super pumped for Woodland. Kepka overall finished second. He was our one of our picks. He was minus ten. John Rom tied for third, minus seven. Um, Tiger was tied for twenty first at minus two. Uh, Dustin Johnson one over, uh, tied for thirty fifth, and then. If I, if memory serves me correct, my sneak pick of the weekend, my underdog play, if you will, was Graham McDowell, who was minus three. He went one over in the final round and was tied for 16th. So we kind of spattered the leaderboard a little bit. Uh, DJ kind of struggled. I, I didn't see that one. He was actually the overall favorite to win the tournament. So um, I'd like to call that a winner, although we didn't have a winner, but super pumped for Woodland. Your guys' thoughts? Okay. Uh Dehart, so I'm going to recap this for us. Yeah. He's the 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 question on the floor is he's looking to ki to put this on the W column and call it a one and two weekend on his uh, locks of the week. All right, he had a second, a third, a twenty first, a thirty fifth, and a sixteenth. Solid work, right? 
There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Matt, I have one question, and then I'm going to pass it over to Dehart. With any of those second, third, 21st, 35th, and 16th finishes, did did any of those pay off, or were those losers in the book? Tony, I don't like where your mind's going right now. I just, those, just were asking, most, those were most definitely losers. So fine. No, no, we'll no. You, went, you, you asked for this to go to the council. The council <laughs> is in session. The okay. council's ruled. The can, hey, well, council I, has not ruled yet. I asked that question. D-Hard, any questions from you? Well, I, I mean, I get like the, the he wants to chalk this one up as a win, but technically he had five wagers in that one tournament. So wouldn't that be 0 and 7? Because either way, if he wins, if he wins one of those, he's still one and six. You had to know D Hart was going to take this too far. Oh yeah, it's definitely too far. I mean, I, here's the deal. We'll I can only be. Hold on, hold on. Myself. Well, no, no, no. Hold on, Matt. You have to. The council is in session. You can't. You can't add any uh, more points to this unless we. Ask I'm sorry question. to the honorable council. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, now, D Hart, only one winner though, so you can't count them all as losers. Because at the end of the day, you can only get one winner. Right. Uh, okay. I mean, I, sure. Okay. But I would have to say, Dehart, with the money that he did not make from any of those bets, could he put a tank of gas? Could he fill up with any of the winnings from those those five losing wagers? I, I don't believe so. I don't believe so either. I I believe I've made my decision. Dehart, are you ready to make your decision? I'm I'm ready. Okay. Let's go ahead and whisper it where no one can hear. Um, I say. I say that it's a definite no for me. You said yeah, it's it's an absolute loser in my book. Okay, uh, Matt, we've talked privately about this, and it turns out that uh, we cannot give you credit for that. <laughs> so what a great segment! And I know exactly that you guys were looking for this. You wanted zero and three. You no. wanted dumpster <laughs> fire. I know I, it. So I, I, I thought Kev could win. I thought Kev could win. Hey, John Rom was a good bet. That was a really good bet. Yeah, he was hanging in there. It's, I mean, for for the odds, I mean, for the odds that we yeah. got at plus twenty two fifty, I yeah. was kind of pulling. I, I actually was hoping he might uh, kind of catch fire and at least give us a sniff there uh, at the end. But you know, tis tis what it is. We'll live to fight another day. I'd like to go ahead and continue making some lock picks if you guys don't mind for the maybe some of the majors it's uh, remaining. Certainly I mean, a segment. It's certainly okay. a segment. Sounds good. Sounds good. Reappear. I mean, God knows we're in the. Uh, crappy baseball se- se- seasons at this point so you but you guys time. you I bite know, your time i know i'm sorry i'm sorry i had to take a jab after the count tribal council ruled against me so there's nothing you know better, we might sneak in a couple of baseball plays because we know that uh i know a lot about that right at this point though we've got to give everyone a chance to kind of recoup most some extra yards get some of that his ash back so they can <laughs> work a few work you. a few solid <laughs> overtime shifts mm-hmm yeah. Get as many sessions down at the salt mine as you can get. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, Matt. We appreciate it. Sorry, but you're 0-3. Next up, the completion of our top 10 list for video games. All right. So this was definitely a uh, just awesome conversation last week. We could talk video games, I think, all day, every day. And the fact that we've got a top 10 list, out of sight. Let's review last week. Uh, in 10th place, Tecmo Super Bowl. Good one, Matt. Donkey Kong Jr. in 9th. Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. And again, if you were to go to our Facebook page, Out of Range Podcast, you can see some really 
tasty videos of Glass Joe and Don Flamenco live from Mike Tyson's ring getting punched out. Uh, good stuff. So go check out those videos on our Facebook page. In seventh, Super Mario World. And sixth, NFL Blitz. So now let's get on down to that top five. Hey, hey, Tone, before you, uh, before you go on with this list, I want you guys to refer to me as Don Flamenco for the rest of this segment. It's going to be hard, but... Uh... And, and I would like to, uh, I'd like to correct uh, from last week. Don Flamenco, I stated, he actually emailed me. Uh, I stated that he was from Valencia, Spain. <laughs> he actually hails from Madrid, Spain. My apologies, oh. Don. Hey, no, sorry. So is it, one call him D-Flam? So D-Flam instead of D-Hart. Yeah, I'm fine with that. DJ D-Flam. DJ D-Flam. Let's try it. I don't know. I'm sure I'll D- slip up. D-Flam. It sounds like some sort of cough suppressant that I buy at Walmart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fifth place, according to our highly scientific poll, was a game that I submitted. Thank you, judges. It would be pole position. A, a classic. Uh, Matt, have you played pole position? Yes, I have to say that I've played this game. Um, when it comes to race games, this is the grandfather of them all, in my yes. opinion, right? Yes. I, it's uh, it's the first game that I ever played. Obviously, this is an Atari game that I ever played uh, racing game. And you have the traditional Atari. I mean, you got the just the regular stick, right? And And the one button. But uh, loved this game. My neighbor had an Atari system, and we played pole position all the time. And this was this was actually a stand-up arcade game. Okay, either Atari. one, either one. So you got the steering wheel uh, from that side. I've played both versions of that game. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the nice thing about the pole position game was because that wheel had a lot of spin to it, and you'd had to do some crazy things because there were several of those turns you had to get off the track in order to uh, sur- you know surpass some of the other cars and not wreck. Fantastic so sound too. This thought this 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 game had the best music for its time. It was really really a good game. Another game so, that was incredibly difficult too. Yeah, so we have to. It, it definitely broke broke ground and led the way for games like RC Pro Am, which was a Nintendo great Nintendo game, and even games like Spy Hunter uh, in the arcade oh. as well. D Hart, have you played Pole Position? Yes, I have. Did you mean to okay. say D Flam? Excuse me, D Flem. Gosh, <laughs> that is. Let me refer to my notes. Scratch that. Reverse it. D Flem. Yes, Matt, I have. Just once, twice, three times. The lady. Uh, I, I mean, played it. I, I played it a few times. It wasn't one of my favorite games by any means, but uh, definitely uh, an entertaining game. Okay. I'll it was, allow it. It was very, very difficult. Very difficult game. And you know, you just mentioned a couple other tough ones, man. Spy Hunter, a tough game. You think about there were so many of those games back in the day that were really tough. So you know what used to jack my eyes though is is the the tracks or alongside the tracks, the the boundaries were red, white, red, white, red, white. Yes. And if you caught yourself staring at those things to make the turn, it's like it almost would hypnotize you. The, I remember <laughs> my eyeballs just hurting. I used to play that game so much when I was a kid. Uh, at the neighbor's house, and I'm like, good Lord, I can't look at the side of the racetrack or it's going to put me in some sort of hypnotic trance. <laughs> All right, so that's fifth place pole position. Fourth place, and this one, I've got a feeling, uh, this one took a little bit of a beating in the behind-the-scenes bartering for position, but this would be the Cyberball Tournament Edition game. Have either of you played Cyberball or Cyberball Tournament Edition? 
Deflam? I can't say that I have. I don't know how it got ranked fourth. Yeah. Um, I have a I'd like a new protest. Yeah, this is definitely completely under. I'm I'm submitting some sort of uh, formal paperwork. Uh, I I had to do some research to find out what Cyberball was, but basically, from what I saw, is it's robots playing football. Correct. That is correct. That is correct. So at Seneca Bowl in Wichita, Kansas, we used to have a Neo Geo game, um, a Neo Geo stand-up, but you could select numerous games, and there was a game on there that was robots playing football. I cannot remember for the life of me if this was Cyberball, uh, but I have played a game where it's robots playing football. Don't know if it's Cyberball. Here's the deal. It's it's no different than any of the other games that we've made the list. NFL Blitz, for instance, anything where you've got, uh, you cycle through, pick the player you want to be, you've got the joystick and a turbo button. That's basically all there is to it. You, you can control all the players. Uh, you've got the wide receivers, tight ends, running back, quarterback, Throughout the course, once they get hit enough times, they'll catch fire and then blow up after they eventually get tackled too many times. And then you get the crappier version of that player. The longer they stay and play well, the more uh, speed and agility they get. So it's really critical not to let your people get hit too much and they'll blow up. The reason why this is such a great game. So it started out as a two-person game, then went to a four-person game. So it's two-on-two. And then it went to the tournament edition where you had two on two with the special player, which was the uh, the halfback. So it was kind of a fat, slow guy who could run it or throw it. Hmm. And why, game, did you re- and, and why uh, did you relate to the halfback, Tom? I'm not saying I related to the slow, fat guy, but I could <laughs> if I wanted to, Matt. Okay. Thank you very much, Matt. Reading between the lines. Sorry. Yeah. That was a layup. Oh, wait. Dunk! Uh, so anyway, so this game... Absolutely, every Friday night up at the bowling center, me and my buddies would play this. Just like today, it was a $20 bet for every game. I mean, we gambled so much on this game growing up. We would go to Putt-Putt because we needed more action. And Putt-Putt, they'd always have tournaments, cyberball tournaments, (laughs) and more action there. So we would get into some just hellacious action playing stupid cyberball. I had a buddy of mine, Scott Southwick, who was just a dynamo uh, with the quarterback keeper, once he got the quarterback all sped up, like hyped up on all kinds of steroids, he could not be tackled. He could juke more than any other player. We figured out all kinds of little tricks on the game. I mean, we were we were a force to be reckoned with. But then sometimes you'd go to a particular pup up. Maybe you meet up with some guys you hadn't seen before, and they'd have tricks you hadn't seen yet. There were ways to make the tight end who was dead slow and awful. But if you get the tight end, you spend a little bit of extra cash to get the tight end all built up. Then you could turn the tight end into a, a serious weapon. So it was cool just going around town, finding different putt-putts where they had all these games, and then trying to uh, see if you could beat the local yokels out of their twompers. So you're basically you're basically building up a cyborg Rob Gronkowski or Travis Kelsey. Is that correct? Exactly. exactly. Okay. At the end of every quarter, you could kind of you could upgrade certain players. Can you drop where the bowling center was that had this cyber ball? And it, I'm oh. assuming DFW. This was post KC, correct? Because Absolutely. you've this already is... shared your Loma Vista story with us. Yes, this is Showplace Lanes and Euless. Oh, nice. What's up, Showplace? Yes, which uh, <laughs> which is now Bolero Euless, which is where the PBA uh, Tour Championship, the the event they just had, where they're going to have different rounds. The PB- 
cities. Yeah. PBA playoffs. Nice. PBA playoffs. Yeah. So uh, that's going to be actually one of the rounds at the Bolero and Ulis, the same place we grew up bowling and playing you, Cyberball. You Every think they still time. have the Cyberball there? They do not. I've been trying to buy one of these for years. I just can't What's convince stopping myself. What's stopping I, you? I don't want to. I don't want to have to drag it upstairs. And Jeannie keeps giving me the look, like, "Why in the world do you need that?" But she knows. That's all I want to do is play Cyberball. <laughs> all Sounds right. Like it needs to be at the lake house. Oh, I mean, it sure does. Then I'd never God. come home. I just need more people to play it. Put Can't that play thing on the patio. Put that thing Can't. on the patio and put a cover <laughs> over it. All right. In third place, Matt Street Fighter Two. What's up? Let me just say. Shurukin, Yoga Fire. I mean, those are things we all heard, right? Street Fighter 2. Again, if we're talking about a fighting game, this is on Super Nintendo. Um, spent many, many hours playing this game. I mean, you got the likes of Blanca, Chun-Li, Ken, Ryu. My personal character favorite, I was a, fav- I was a fan favorite of Guile. Um, so I, I spent a lot of time playing this game and, and you could play heads up, um, spent a lot of time playing heads up against my buddies and, and, uh, middle school and high school. And really this game morphed into a kind of phenomenon and led to, you know, the arcade version from that side, but really street fighter two on the super Nintendo, uh, deck was, was one of my, it, it definitely was probably my favorite game for super Nintendo from that side, but, um, D hard. I know you've probably got some street fighter two action, Tony, this might've been a little bit after you, your time of, of video games. Uh, I mean, but... it was there. I just, I never played the, the fight games like that. So was this, this was the one really... where you could like, where you could rip somebody's head off and like, no, 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 that's mortal Kombat. Okay. That is, that is mortal Kombat. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Sega was mortal Kombat. and Nintendo was more the street fighter. Is that correct? correct. D hard or D phlegm. Yeah. Right. So, so we have a Andy, you know, we had Andy Jensen on, uh, in a previous podcast and his brother is a super huge arcade video or video arcade collector. And in fact, a lot of his games are in a downtown, um, video game, old school video game, uh, facility where you can go down and basically play all these games. And he literally has all of the mortal Kombat stand up, all of the street fighter stands up stand ups. It's pretty crazy. But, um, you know, obviously playing the arcade version is different. You got the joystick and all the six and the six buttons uh, than playing the Super Nintendo version. But uh, I was a super huge fan of the Super Nintendo version, Street Fighter 2. Good game. All right, we got two left and we've we've teased one a little bit. Is it going to be first? Is it going to be second? In second place, almost being the greatest video game of all time, but it's not. NBA Jams, second place. Oh, so close to the title. Do you yes. Uh, it's D-Flem. Thank you. Dang it, D-Flem. Uh, I don't think this is going to stick. Here, here's, here's the deal, man. I, I'm This one's under protest as well. Okay. This was a Saturday morning ritual for me. After Junior Leagues, there was a line of kids ready to play this game. I mean, some of the... Some of the uh, commentators like marv albert was in there there's some other ones just the the uh the terms that they use the boom shakalaka (laughs) the he's heating up he's on fire just those things uh and then you you know you you put the players in there i mean there were some teams in there that were almost unbeatable when you played them so let's go can we can we go around the horn really quick d flam 
Who was your squad? We've all played NBA jams. Yeah. Well, hold on. Who let was me, your let me, squad? Let me stop you for a second. So there was two versions. There was the NBA Jam Arcade, and then there was the NBA Jam Tournament Edition. The arcade or the tournament edition allowed you to switch players. So you but if you want to go with the original, I mean my squad was Indiana. I mean Reggie Miller and Detlef Shrimp. <laughs> That's good. Yes. Uh, I I mentioned it last week. You give me you give me Barkley. There were two teams, but Barkley and Dan Marley all day, every day. Yeah. God, so that, and go ahead, Matt. Um, the squad that I went down with in Game Six. I mean, I was a huge Hardaway and Mullen fan. I mean, Mullen from anywhere on the court, from downtown. <laughs> He would splash anything in. You know, I was always lefty, also lefty. I was also a big fan of uh, give me Gary Payton and Sean Kemp. Oh yeah, the love. The Sean glove. Kemp had the best dunks in that. Oh, the game. best dunks, best dunks. <laughs> uh, but you can't sleep on Utah, man. Carl Malone and John Stockton. Stockton, Stockton for free. The mailman. The mailman. He always delivered. He always delivered. Yes, he did. Yes. Dude, but yes. then, but we got real quick. There were some horrible teams in that game. I mean, you want to talk about the uh, Miami Heat? Let's talk about Glenn Rice oh, now and Ronnie Cycling. Ronnie Cycling. I mean, are you kidding me? So let's. I'm going to take a pot shot at T. Franks. The oh, worst team on that game me. was the Dallas Mavericks. The Mavs, no doubt. Worst team. I don't even know who the Mavs players were. I mean, uh, I can Sean, pretty much. Sean Bradley was one of them. No, he. No, no, no. He was, he was, he played for the Bullets, right? Uh, oh, you, you might be right, Matt. You might be yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I it think was it was. Jamal Mashburn. Yes, Mash. And the kid was on there, and sometimes they'd have Jim Jackson. Yes, Jim Jackson it was. Uh, and then giving them a run for their Jerry money Davis. for the crappiest team on there it was also the Milwaukee Bucks with Brad Lowhouse. Oh yeah. And and somebody else. I can't remember who was with Lowhouse. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't good. There's was a lot of bad teams in there. Yeah. I mean yeah. even the even the Bulls were bad. It was uh Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant of all people. That's because they yeah. wouldn't let Jordan on the game. Well, I mean, can we get like John Paxson or BJ Armstrong? Oh, here comes Derek and his and his. He's going to start naming random random bulls that. And, and the team that there. the team that wasn't nearly as good as they should have been was the Houston Rockets. Oh yeah, yeah dude. Is that, is that Olajuwon and Drexler? Yeah, why couldn't they be pop? No, 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 wait, no, 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 no. Drexler was Kenny a Portland. Smith. He was a Blazer. It was Kenny Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah Kenny. Was, ne- Drexler- Kenny never made a bucket. Clyde the Glide was 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 up in Portland. <laughs> okay, so so real quick before we go on to number one, there was a flaw about this game, and you guys know it when we played it in Green's basement. The stupid computer assist. Computer assist. You got you got down like I mean you get crushed by 15, 16 points going into the fourth quarter. Next thing you know, you're winning. Like I I, I just don't understand it. I hate that. <laughs> yeah. If you got up 15, just mail it in. You were not going to make another basket. You're, You're going to miss every dunk. Steal. Yep. <laughs> uh, I love the computer assist. It's a it smart it, game. Made it really tough to gamble in that game, but you had to keep it close. Yeah, everything's coming down to the last three minutes. Yeah. So much fun, though. Great, great game. It it easily could have been number one. It should. But, but oh, drum roll, please. Yeah. Yeah. All right, the, the number one game. And this game was chosen to be number one because it was a trendsetter in two ways. 
for all stand-up arcade video games. One, because it used two controllers that you had to use both at the same time. And number two, it was the first game ever that took 50 Cent to play it. Not 25 Cent, 50 Cent. 50, two- 50. Very expensive game for 1984, let me tell you. So it took 50 cents, and that would be Karate Champ. So, really, really good game. What do you guys know about Karate Champ? I'm I'm, going to say that I've probably played it at a local arcade, and I think I've probably played the home version on Nintendo, but I really don't know a lot. I really don't know a lot about this game. Yeah, really good game. Is What made it really fun was because it was definitely a heads-up game that you could play, and that's really all you're trying to do back in the day. This was this was the pre-Street Fighter 2 or Mortal Kombat where you just wanted to fight somebody and you had to know the moves. Karate movies were really hot back then. So to be able to make your guy do different kicks, roundhouse, backflips, sweep the leg, all that stuff was a part of Karate Champ, and you had to know the more moves you knew, then uh, the more dangerous you were to your opponent. You couldn't just give the lunge, uh, the lunge, ti- kick, lunge what hit. What time frame was this, Tone? Uh, I bet it was probably 83, 84 when it came out. Okay. Was yeah, this also so, at Showplace? No, nah, man, this was just down at the arcade. I, Showplace wouldn't have come into play till 1988. I gotcha. So this would have been the mall arcade. Ooh. Some yeah. some slushy and and uh, and some karate champ action. And give me two bucks, mom, so I can go down and play a few times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great stuff. Uh, there were a couple of things I wanted to get to, so that's going to wrap it up for our top ten. I wish we had all the time in the world to sit here and talk about. We got to move on to some other stuff. I do want to quickly talk about a couple of fun cheat codes because Derek, you mentioned NBA jams, which was that was the the king of the cheat code game, right? If you knew all the different button sequences to hit, did you know right. any of those? Yeah, I did. I mean, the big head mode was my favorite. <laughs> big head mode. <laughs> uh, unlimited turbo was the other one. That was the most coveted cheat code. Yeah, you can't have unlimited turbo. But see, you know, that, again, just to make sure you guys know how great Cyberball was, Cyberball with the turbo led into NFL Blitz and NBA Jams. Yeah, so that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So if we're talking cheat codes, it's the Contra cheat code on N- Nintendo. Up, down, up, down, left, right, BA, BA, select, start. Correct? That might, <laughs> I mean, there's T-shirts out there. I know Andy Jensen has a T-shirt with that on it somewhere, right? Left, right, left, right. Yes. That's going to do it for our top 10 list. We can't wait for our next top 10 list. Who knows what it's going to be? Matt, I know what you want it to be. Don't say I, it, though. I'm not going to say it. But, hey, I, I really like this segment. I think it's going to be a part of our future on this podcast because you can just go so many different directions, yep. n- either bowling or non, non-bowling related. You know what? For the next one, let's make it bowling related. And let's I, go. I top, agree. Let's go top five, bottom five, as in top five best, top five worst of what I, like I talk about. Okay. Because I have as many bads as I do goods in this category. Will okay. these uh, suggestions or picks be submitted to the council instead of being? I hey, guess, D-Hart, maybe we get to rank it out. the good and bad. Yeah, spit yeah. It I mean, D-Flem, spit it out. I mean, what are you it, trying it, to say? It's your show. I get it. You want to make the rules, but maybe this is a, a collaborative <laughs> effort. Uh, we'll see. I don't know about that. I just like telling everybody what to do. It's where I live. Big, <laughs> big, big head mode on the. Big uh, head mode. That's right. 
I have I have big head mode and unlimited turbo. Suck it. All right. <laughs> Next up, PWBA Week in Review. Let's find out what happened last week. We'll be right back. All right, so this uh, this past week, the uh, PWBA visited Fountain Valley, California, uh, where the winner was Sandra Anderson of Sweden uh, with her first PB- PWBA victory. Um, so that makes two first-time winners this year, the other being our uh, recent guest, Queens champ Dasha Kovalova, who also just missed making the show this week. And guys, I really love seeing those new winners. Yeah, that's great. That's great. It was it's cool to see. Uh, I love the variety. I always like it when people dominate, but it was really cool to see Sandra and her excitement of winning. Uh, so, guys, it, it just kind of speaks to the depth of the talent out there, and, and you're going to hear more about it from, from Sean Ryan. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that there's probably going to be a couple more first-time winners this season before it ends. I just have this gut feeling. You guys, uh, You guys have the same feeling? Is is this the season that we we start to see more breakthrough stars after they've got a few years under your belt? Is that kind of what you're thinking? Well, I mean, we talked about it before, and these these ladies seem to be learning so much quicker. I don't know if that's because of the competitive level, the lane conditions, whatever you want to call it, but it just seems like we're seeing a lot of the same faces in the cut, but newer faces on the shows. So I I want to I kind of want to drop in here and and. Being from a perspective, I'm gonna circ- I'm gonna circle back to 2003, and and when, you know, it takes some time to get comfortable out there, right? So, you know, it's it's very easy to just say, hey, I'm gonna go out there, I'm gonna compete. You know, sometimes it's like from 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 my perspective, when I went out on tour, I spent a lot of time the first three or four weeks looking around, going like, oh my god, I I, I watch these guys on television, I've got them on my bowling pins signed at home, so I really had to leave that portion. And basically say they're my counterparts now, and my job is to beat them, and I have to think like that. So maybe you're seeing some of these folks who are new to the circuit and kind of trying to go through those mindsets as well as is I belong out here. I have to change my mindset. These are people that I've seen on TV before, but I'm going to be competitive. Sure, I I, I agree. I think that the talent level coming in now is is at a much higher caliber as well, um, and that's not saying against any any of the older school bowlers, but and the talent level out there is really really high. So, yeah, and I think you know that's that's the great part is got a lot of talent. Let's let's see some of uh you know let's see some of the younger talent really start to to push it and and make the shows and then push for the title just like Sandra did this week right so she ended up beating uh Brianna Cote runner up 184 to 183 in the final match but I think the key point here is that Brianna Cote pulled a pretty good game the lanes were absolutely brutal this week and she left a stone eight in the 12th ball to lose by a pin and uh, guys we've talked about this before and the biggest heartbreak in bowling is the eight pin to lose a match but man, like she didn't have any emotion. Like she just kind of walked back and said, "Well, that's a bad break. 
so what you're saying is she didn't go Randy Peterson and lay down on the approach and then Sandra didn't stand up and and go Ernie Schlegel? Is that what you're yeah. saying? I mean, listen, like I know they're professionals and whatnot, but put your hand over your mouth and drop a few expletives. Maybe you smack your thigh or punch your, punch <laughs> your the inside of your hand. Or maybe you just label the ball return and just give it to her. I mean, you just left an eight pin to lose. Let, let's let's see something. I watch this. I watch the Randy Peterson eight pin all the time. I'll just pull it up and watch it because it's his reaction and Ernie's reaction are priceless. I will continue <laughs> to watch that. I mean, it's just so intriguing. First off, it's the stonest eight pin I've ever seen in my entire life, dude, ever. And just... I mean, he he's on the approach like what what in the hell just happened? <laughs> I, I love I agree with you, Derek. I love emotion I like that. That's just compli- yeah, I love it. <laughs> and you know what? If I if that happened to me and I was in Ernie's position, there's no doubt that I would react in that manner. I mean, I, seriously, I mean, the guy's pretty much retired at that point. Right. But I, I absolutely love the emotion. I agree with you, D Hart. Give me that all day. Yeah, I mean, listen, like, hats off to Brianna. She bowled it. She had a great tournament, and second place is, is nothing to shake your head at. But uh, the lanes were stupid hard, and you throw that great of a shot, one, just to hit the pocket, but two, to leave an eight. That just, yeah, to me, so. you, you should see some emotion out of that. But, again. And, 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 you know, I liked her first shot in the 10, too. So she needs a strike to win and leaves a shake or eight. I thought that was a pretty good shot, too, that just didn't quite – uh, turn enough down the lane. That was a good shot. And then she made an even better shot or a perfect shot, you could say. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't even pick up on the fact that she didn't show much emotion. Yeah, I mean, the lane's yeah, transition, she was moving all over the lane. So, again, great ball into her. Nothing to, to shake your head at. But, I mean, hey, Sandra gets up on the ninth frame and leaves a seven pocket 7-10 on the right lane, right. comes back to the left lane, where she's got to have all three to force – the exact scenario that happened and she flushed all three. I mean, yeah. she absolutely clutched it. So, I mean, good for her. Really, really good for her. Yep. So some other takeaways that, that I happen to notice uh, from, from this past week, Rocio Restrepo first cash of the year, finishing 13th. Uh, really surprised by that. Um, she, she's again, been a formidable opponent to all the women out there and to see her this be her first cash. Surprising to me. Yeah, shocking. Uh, on the on the other side of that, Jordan Richard misses uh, her first cash for the first time this year. So I, I wonder kind of what's going on with her. If she's just seeing some some slumps in her game, or if she just had a bad tournament. Kind of uh, interested to see how she picks it up this week at the U.S. Open. And then uh, Jasmine Mason. I don't know if you guys saw this, but she made yep. another another cut and another top twelve putting herself well ahead in the uh, rookie of the year standings. Yeah, she, so. she had another great week. Really, uh, really excited uh, to see her do well and uh, can't wait for her to make her first show because she's a very uh, emotional, excitable player. And that's, you know, to your point, Derek, let's see some of that. I want to see some excitement out there. Yeah, most definitely. So, and then lastly, uh, Brianna making her second show of the year and has actually cashed in every event. So, I, I'm going to go ahead and go on a limb. I think she's going to break through and win a title this year. She's definitely been a model of consistency, um, and I look for her to keep that up going into the U.S. Open this week. 
So with that being said, U.S. Open begins on Tuesday with a full field of 108 bowlers. Uh, that's, that's outstanding. I love seeing the, uh, the entries go up each and every year. It's in Las Vegas. Defending champion Liz Culkin, uh, who's, had a, who's also had a solid season so far, uh, but uneventful by her standards, I, w- I would probably guess. She's got five out of six caches. She is uh, currently eighth in average and 15th in earnings with just shy of $10,000. Now, we know that the women are out here to make a living, and with a, with a top 10 average, you need to have top 10 earnings. So she made a show a couple weeks ago, uh, Bold Fantastic, uh, just did not uh, come out on top. So I'm looking for her to kind of uh, redeem herself. This is her tournament to defend. Your guys' thoughts. You know, I was surprised by that, too, to see that she, you know, she'd been bowling really consistently from an average standpoint, but only 15th uh, in the earnings. So that's the thing. You got to you got to find a way to push ahead to uh, to make the bigger caches. That's what that's what everybody's out there for it at the ten thousand dollar mark and eighth and average. I mean, she's top 10 player. You got to be top 10 all the way around. So I don't know, um, you know, like where what's been kind of holding her back, but obviously it's probably in that, uh, the round of 32 where, uh, she's not had the best look. Maybe that's after she gets more comfortable or maybe just gets uh, more tired on the last uh, eight games, which it is a ton of games to bowl in a day and a half. Right. You know, 24 games just to start out before the last six to make the show. You know, if she keeps, if she keeps bowling like this, you can't make a show without cashing, right? So you continue, you know, I'm sure her mindset has to be pretty simple. I got to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm cashing. I'm, I'm having some success. It's going to pay off in one of the bigger events, right? Because reality is that you've, you've got to play well in the big events to make some of the bigger money, right? It's true. It's true. Yeah, you know, does. first place is 20000 this week. So, you know, the majors is where you got you to gotta make your move. You almost have to have that Brooks Kepka mindset, right? Play big in the majors because that's where your big money's at uh, so far this year. Yeah, yeah. I think the uh, I think this is a pretty good prelude too to the U.S. Open with the lanes being hard. We all know that the U.S. Open tends to be the biggest grind uh, in our sport. So I would venture to say that you'll probably see a lot of the names that were in the uh, in the top ten last week be competing for another major title this week. Probably two, and I'll be uh, number one rooting for Miss Maria Rodriguez. She's my player this week. D. Flem, you got Liz Johnson and Matt Jordan Richard. Interesting, interesting. I'm ready. I think Jordan's due. Uh, to clarify, is this uh, whoever finishes the highest gets the dough? That's how we did it before, correct? Yeah, just making sure. God, wouldn't that be great if all three of them made the show? God, man. And then we will be calling that live next week. So when you tune into next week's podcast, you'll get to us, see us steal the booth and call that last championship game once again, like we did it for the Queens. Most definitely. I'm looking forward to that. All right. So uh, that's going to do it for uh, our PWBA Week in Review. Uh, As always, want to make sure you guys uh, tell all your family and friends about Bowl TV. And make sure to like us on our Facebook page, Out of Range Podcast, and, of course, Twitter. Next up is the PWBA Ebonite International Tour Rep, Sean Ryan.
All right, folks, we got a real treat for you today as we welcome Sean Ryan to the show. Uh, Sean lives in Orlando, Florida, and is the PWBA tour ball rep for Evernight International. Welcome, Sean. How's it going, guys? So uh, before we get too deep into this, we wanted to see if uh, you could just give us a little bit of background on yourself and, uh, and how you got into ball rep and biz. Um, <laughs> I... I don't know. I've just kind of been in the pro shop business since college. Uh, I started working in shops just because I bowled at UCF. And then I worked the booth. And then I coached the Thailand team for three and a half years, worked the truck, and just kind of wound up here. It just kind of fell into my lap. So God, you th- yeah, Thailand. Thailand, I did not know. That's interesting. <laughs> how, was that? how was that? And how long, are you, how long were you there? Uh, it, it was usually on and off depending on, um, what tournaments they had coming up. I think the longest I was there for about four months straight, uh, cause it was for the Asian games. Um, I was doing some demos for, for Evanite overseas and, uh, we were helping out the Thailand team and they ended up needing a, a coach and the, the head of the federation kind of liked me, I guess, for what we were doing with the kids. And, uh, yeah, I just, another thing, dumb luck, right place, right time. No so, uh, yeah, no comment. So uh, you mentioned the the pro shop. So what what else do you do when you're not uh, on tour? Because tour is only, you know, 12, 13, 14 weeks kind of in and around. So what do you do when you're not on tour? Uh, well, actually, I this is my first year full time uh, as a an actual employee of Ebony International doing the tour rep job, mainly because I do the men and women's tour. So it, it takes up a good eight months of the year uh, up until this this year january one i actually managed the pro shop at boardwalk bowl for about five years now or five years then so this is my first year not actually working in a pro shop so uh on the pwb uh tour you're part of the ebi team so you work with brian o'keefe husband to shannon and uh, now mike uh, snellbaker so when you guys get together now they generally release the pattern what is it like 30 minutes 30 minutes practice before practice so what type of uh, strategy sessions do you guys have to kind of get yourself and the team ready for each event? Uh, for practice sessions, I mean, basically we only look at a couple things because topography, we feel, plays a pretty significant role in what's going to happen on the lanes and can't really see that unless they're charted for you uh, like they are at the majors. But we we look at two to twos, type of oil, length, and then kind of go from there. Basically, uh, most of our our staff likes to start as far right as you can and, and just go from there in the practice session. And then we start looking at types of bowling balls, symmetrical, asymmetrical, quick response, slow response, and kind of get a game plan based off of that. Uh, we get about an hour, hour and a half of, of practice session. And is it uh, kind of a team strategy first? Or do you guys think of it more in terms of each player? Uh, for the most part, it's 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 more so bowling balls and cover stocks and, and what they're kind of what is making the best type of motion, and then players based on you know their their style and axis rotation, basically, and, and what part of the lane are they going to get comfortable in the quickest, and then if they're missing a specific, a specific type of bowling ball, then you know. We'll, We'll drill one up for them at the end of the practice session, so at least they have that type of look in their bag. Uh, we do 
pretty good job as far as teamwork goes. You know, we'll, we get everyone in the, the same type of area for practice. That way we can see everyone bowling together and where they're migrating on the lane. We don't really set up. You need to start here. And basically they'll, they'll kind of, certain styles will start to the right, certain styles will start a little bit further in based on that's their to the right. And we'll check ball motion that way. And then we'll get together and chit chat and come up with some sort of strategy we think's right and what part of the lane they, they'll probably start in and have a team meeting after practice with, with everyone who wants to, to listen to us. So, hey, do you guys have, I mean, I guess, do you have certain players that you're responsible for? Um, is it just kind of um, everybody working as a group together? Um, is it by, uh, I guess, you know, higher higher ref player to medium ref player to low ref player? Um, do you have no. certain players that you're responsible for? No, it's it's everyone. Everyone works with pretty much every player uh, for for us anyway. Um, I mean, there's you know. <laughs> From week to week, the certain styles usually pretty much separate themselves. Uh, in the standings, you can usually see it as a certain type of style, whether they spin it or hit it harder or got a little loft to it. Uh, but no, as far as our, our team goes, we, we all work with everybody. Um, there are certain people like that maybe you'll communicate with a little bit better with a person, so we'll chit-chat in the back with each other and talk strategy, and then the person that they seem to communicate better with we usually go in and talk to them and but it's 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 a pretty big team effort um so on average and i know majors are going to be different right so mm -hmm. you're going to have more of the regional um gals out there and so on a talk to me i guess on a normal week versus a major week how many ebi players are you responsible for um uh, on a normal week it's probably it usually falls between like 17 and 30 at the most depending on where it's at and basically the price of hotels and, and flights to get there um and then I, for the women's tour it's not that drastic of a difference uh, you might you might get to 35 it's usually that's probably the max i mean most of, most of our staffers are are pretty much full-time professional so players. on the lit on the ladies tour it's 35 players on on the on the majors, yeah. I mean, some of the some of the ones, you know, the the Cleveland stop, the those those stops, we get a, a decent amount of, of players up there. Whereas, like last week was 17 out in Fountain Valley, a little bit more expensive, harder to get to that coast. Gotcha. Hey, even even 17 is a lot. I mean, 35. That's a daunting, and everybody on one squad. That's a you yeah. know, for, well, maybe not on the majors, but that's a daunting task. Yeah, they're long days, man. We get there at, <laughs> we leave leave the hotels seven thirty, and we don't get back till eleven o'clock at night. Ugh, man, that's rough. So <laughs> a couple of bowling alley, couple of bowling alley cheeseburgers probably in there too. As long as there's no, <laughs> as long as there's no lane breakdowns, then we got a chance to eat. If we got a lane breakdown, then there's no eating. Ugh. So Sean, you've obviously had a chance to see a, a ton of shots go down the lane, and the bowlers come to you when they need advice or a second opinion. But I'm sure you're learning some some things out there as well. Talk to us about a few of the bowlers who you've learned some valuable information from while doing this ball repping. Uh, I think each week the, the bowlers <laughs> teach you something different about what they can do and their their abilities. Um, I mean, I, you know, 
for generally for the people at home, you know, league bowlers working on the pro shop, most people look at down lane reaction and what it's doing there, and that's what they focus on. Where out here, it's it's all about controlling the fronts and and finding that part of the lane that hooks and using that part of the lane that hooks. You know, whether it be going up it and letting it lay off there, or using it to to get it started, or it's. I mean, every week is something different. To be honest, you know, last week it was. They were impossible last week. They were really hard, and those those ladies bowled really well to get 32 of them plus because we were estimating it would be between minus 30 and minus 50 for the cut, and the cut ended up being even, which not necessarily was plus, but it was. they bowled really well last week. And the same thing, you know, it's each block is completely different. So whatever work in that morning block, it's it probably will not be the same in the, the afternoon block. So... Sean, I think maybe you've already answered this, but what is the hardest thing about being a tour rep? Uh, the hardest, the the, the hardest thing is uh, Ryan touches on it all the time, and I never really could put it into words. But it's when you give that advice to the the professional, to the staffer, and it's you know whether it be changing balls or or moving a zone, and they get up on the approach, and <laughs> you just hope it works. It's like your heart races. It's <laughs> You hope they don't turn around and you know they two eight ten or big four and they just it's yeah you're just like oh man that was that didn't work out very well. That so was, that's that's the hardest part is you're actually you're vested in it you know you're you want them to bowl well you want every single one to bowl well and when you make a suggestion whether it be right or wrong it's when they get up there to do it it's you it's it's like you're actually throwing the shot. I mean, it's their living, right? Too Correct. from that from that side. So, but it's got to be it's got to be challenging coming into the role. I mean, you obviously had street cred. You worked your way through through the pro shop business and and kind of earned your stripes. But, I mean, talk to me a little bit about the big names, right? I mean, when you're working with the you know the intro players or the rookies, you know, it's going to be a lot different. But when you're working with the big names and you, and you make that decision and that change suggestion to them. And you're they're up on the approach, and you're like, oh my god, I, I hope this works. Talk to me a little bit about that. Uh, it's actually a little easier on that one, cause oh really? Okay. Yeah, cause usually when they get to that point, they've um they've they've gone through their thought process and what they normally do and and what their experience has got them to, and it's a, uh, all right, I've done everything I can do. What do you got? What are you seeing? You know, what what do you think? And they're, they've run out. They've exhausted their options. So what you're saying is they're they're committed 100% because they've done what they thought was correct, and they're they're still run out of you know it's not working. So you guys are almost you guys are the B option, right? They've ran through all their A options, and it's like okay, I need another set of eyes behind me to help me understand what's going on here. Right, because I mean, you know, it's you're bowling, and if you're struggling, you're only really focused on what you're doing and what's what's going wrong, basically, where we get to walk the center and see what's going right. The big picture. For, right, for a bunch of people. And so you get a, you get a little better picture across the, the building of what's working or, or what certain styles are working or what balls are working. And you can relay that back to them when they're, you know, whether they have 70 in the fifth and they just came <laughs> off of big four and washout and they have no idea what's going on. At least you have something to, to give back to them. D-Hart, what goes through your mind when you have 70 in the fifth? That's a good game. Uh, you don't want to know the answer to that. <laughs> Tony, Tony, any any comments on 70 in the fifth? 
just the fact that I'm used to it by then. That's all I can say. <laughs> so, Sean, uh, obviously you you manage four brands out on tour. How difficult is it to keep up with the equipment? I mean, you guys got balls coming out every month, four brands. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, working in the shop made that relatively easy, in my opinion. You know, you you <laughs> four four brands is a lot easier than nine brands when you're in the shop. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, that's a valid point. That is a yeah, very is, valid point. So it's a little bit more <laughs> simplistic, actually. Yeah, I mean, you, you still got to pay attention to what's coming out across the the grand scheme of things, you know, from all the other companies. But when you're knowing what year balls only those four do and how they play off each other, it's it's a little easier than when you know your your customers coming in and you have 15 options and one price point to to steer them towards. Then it gets you know, it's it's simplified out here. I feel. Well, that's interesting. I would not have guessed that would be the answer. To that I, I tend to think that's a really difficult part of uh, a lot of the brands these days. Is or, or the big, you know, the big brands that have multiple lines underneath them. It's just got to be challenging. But I guess that's a that's a much better way to think about it. Is in your case, it's a whole lot simpler than every single ball made. Right, I mean, uh, it's not like I I'm, I got 65 options on the wall and <laughs> all right, yeah. I think this one's gonna do it, and you know, it's you got it's it's still a decent amount, but 65 versus six, you can I, you can you can you can narrow it down a little quicker. Yeah, and I gotta feel like most players have their favorites anyway, regardless of what is new. And exciting out there. Their bread and butter is going to be on the balls where they've had success. Right, and you know, it's generally ex- on, on the women's store. It's there's a usually a certain, not necessarily a, a a ball, but a yeah, I guess a ball. Like this year, it's the the Trident Elite and the the GB3, which there was the GB3 and the GB2 the year before. It's you know a certain ball tends to work on week in and week out, and works for a variety of styles so sean uh i got a question from a friend on facebook uh do you have any tips for a guy that's really struggling to play right at 15 with a high rev rate oh <laughs> uh, yeah there's this asking for ball. a friend have you uh have you ever tried this purple hammer ball i heard it's pretty good uh, i haven't tried the purple well god i just revealed it <laughs> were, you, were you not supposed to say i yeah yeah these guys these guys harassed me because i can't play right at 15 without a urethane ball which is a true statement but in the day i didn't have to worry about playing right at 15 so <clears throat> you may have a lesson with me here uh coming up <laughs> next time we're in town that's right that's right <laughs> so <clears throat> this one uh this question is kind of a little near and dear to my heart but how how important is it to have the right surface on the bowling balls for for today's game, uh, very important. I mean, it's the only part of the bowling ball that touches the lane. Uh, weight block doesn't touch the lane. <laughs> Your layout doesn't touch the lane. So I mean, it makes up most most of the ball motion. I kind of had a feeling you were going to say that. So I always see all the tour reps carrying around a bundle of Avalon pads. Mm-hmm. Now me, I'm a non-believer in any pad above two thousand. What's your take on that? Uh, yeah, I, I'm, personally, I only that's the the highest I carry is 2,000. Uh, I mean, I have some worn 2,000, some used 2,000s that are, yeah, probably more 4,000 area. 
But yeah, I mean, I we burned through the 2000s pretty quickly. Just you know, five six uses by hand, the whole ball. They're they're pretty much four thousands, five thousands. I mean, once you get into that, you might as well just use your sock. You're not really. I was I was just gonna say, isn't the ball practically polished at that point? Yeah, you're not really. To me, you're not really doing too much to it. I mean, basically, you're just wiping the oil off of it for them. So yeah, it's gonna look like it's a little better, but I I don't. Two thousands is the the highest we carry out here. Sounds like you'd be a great ball rep for me too. <laughs> hey, uh, Derek, we're gonna go ahead and hit your ball with four thousand. Just yeah, move perfect. three left. Take your black sock off and just wipe it down. <laughs> so that's that's an interesting point, though. You mentioned the you know four, five, six uses, and then the pad basically is a four thousand. Is that that's is that accurate? They they sh- those pads really shine up and wear down that fast. Yeah, I mean, I still use them, but I mean, you're not getting the nearly the same especially when you're doing it by hand because you usually when you're hitting them you're hitting them so they they burn up pretty quickly and you're doing a whole ball or you know you're doing someone's bag and yeah about five balls six balls they you can definitely see the difference between a brand new one versus uh one that you've done six bowling balls with Uh, they joke joke with me all the time because i tend to give it a little bit more on the fresh 2000s because i'm doing it for a purpose i really don't want a thousand on there but I wanted some teeth on there, and they all go, whoa, 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 whoa. That's charcoaling my ball up, man. And it's really, it's really just a fresh 2000. It just, you get a little bit more dust on the fresh 2000. But it'll shine up in about three shots anyway, right? Uh, yeah, get around there. Depending so, on the uh, cover stock. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's got to be the quote of the week. You know, on the, on the surface, that's the only part of the ball that touches the lane. That makes a lot of sense. I hope uh, I hope Dehart heard that. So <laughs> surface can be his friend a little bit. I don't throw anything without surface. Uh, uh, just because it once, hand. yeah, because it once had surface doesn't mean that that's a ball with surface. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, the rest of us do. We've seen the IQ tour go down the lane, and I've never seen anything ever hit that ball except the lane. Never touched it with a pad ever. <laughs> Well, it hits like the the ball belt and stuff. So sometimes you probably get some residue on there. Hey, we man, I didn't have you I'm on not... here to bail him out, Sean. All right, that's that's not exactly the purpose, but okay. <laughs> and didn't you hear he said the lanes get hot? I mean, I'm 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 creating oh, my own friction. Oh, summer, yeah, summertime. Dude, sure. you guys don't you guys don't even know. I mean, for for a high ref player like myself, I'm looking for belt marks on my bowling ball. <laughs> I need some I need some rubber to lane grip. So. Is there any way we can put that layout so the logos roll right in my track, please? Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So it's digging in on each yeah. shot. Whoop, 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 whoop. So, so a, oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna you know ask a, a question here with in regards to the lane guys. So two weeks ago we had Nick Hoagland on. How much interaction do the ball reps have with the lane guy? Um, I personally don't talk to the lane guy. Uh, the, out on the women's tour, we when we see them oil them, and they usually get out of here pretty quickly. They don't really hang around too much on the women's tour. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I don't know. I, maybe it's an integrity thing, just to make sure the lane guy's not getting in trouble. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want anybody seeing. Hey, well. Devin and I guys are always talking to the lane guy. You know, he's given <laughs> false information or more information or better information to them than he's given to me. So yeah. I, I personally don't interact with him. I might talk to him afterwards. I mean, living in Florida, I know some of the Kegel guys. So 
uh, I'll ask them about oils. Like they just came out with that terrain oil, so I didn't know too much about it because it's brand new and saw some tendencies and just was curious about it. So I yeah. asked some questions. Maybe uh, maybe you should talk to the R and D guys at Kegel to make sure you don't they don't steal the uh, the next name of your dog. Yeah, I, when the winter machine comes out, then we're gonna have problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for uh, the listeners, uh, you are a married man, correct, Sean? Married to Aaron? Correct. And you said you do not have any kids. However, you do have a couple of pups. Mm-hmm. And then what are the pups' names? Uh, Flex is my my the oldest one. He's a he's a rescue. He's a he's a corgi lab mix. So just go ahead and Google that. You'll enjoy those pictures. Corgi lab. I'm yeah. on corgi. it right now. Corgi. 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 Lab. corgi. Yeah. And then C-O-R-G-I. Thanks, Derek. <laughs> and then Winter <laughs> is a full full blood Siberian husky. So oh, dude, awesome! I love those dogs. Corgi. And then, uh, of course, those two names. Where did you get those names from? Um, I flex. I just thought it was funny. He's a little. <laughs> wheels. When you see the pictures, you'll you'll understand. He's a little short. He's got corgi legs, lab body, <laughs> lab head. So he looks like a, almost a miniature pit bull. It's really weird looking. And uh, winter was a Game of Thrones thing. We got her in December, so winter's coming. Oh, uh, that, oh, oh boy! Here we go. Oh God. Yeah. Tony. Thanks. Uh, I mean, I guess we should spend the rest of the time talking Game of Thrones. Oh, I really want you guys no, out. Yeah, we I should just move on. Killing me. All right. So uh, when we were talking to Nick now, uh, Nick Hoagland, so he tracks everything, extreme precision with how they run the lanes, averages and everything. So he was sharing some of that with us, which I found really interesting. So through the first six weeks this year, uh, when they look at the you know, the oil ratio from just that standpoint, he said that they've actually been a little bit more difficult this year. But even with that, the averages of the qualifying leaders up almost two pins a game. And again, that's through six tournaments. And then the top 50% of the field, they're up about half a half a pin a game. So what do you think the reasons will be for that improvement? And then also, do you, do you think, do you, do you kind of agree with that assessment? And again, that's just the statistics of it, not necessarily the topography has its say in this whole deal, but you know, the fact that from a ratio standpoint, a little bit tougher, but the ladies are bowling a little bit better. And, you know, what are your thoughts on why that might be? I mean, I just, I, th- I personally think we actually talked about this today. Uh, we think that the, they've just gotten a lot better. There's better bowlers. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, it's, they're taking it serious. I, I think, you know, they, they're going home and they're working a lot harder. And, you know, they were, they were really hard. Was it three years ago? They were super yeah. tough. And I mean, the women put in worked. <laughs> it's showing. You know, like I said, I thought we thought last week they were hard, and you know, maybe three years ago they would have been 50 to 100 under, but they're just much better at execution, and their angles are way better than than yeah. they were in previous years. I mean, I, I just think they're it's a it's they're taking a lot. You know, it's, it's a serious thing for them. It's a lot of their job now. You know, a lot of people are on, the, a lot of the girls are on staff, and this is what they do. They're they're waiting for this time of the year. This is their time. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. And that would be that'd be my guess too, right? Is the more times they see these types of patterns, uh, they're more used to it. They know where to play. You guys, from a tour rep standpoint, know what to expect better as well. And 
you know, the players, like you said, they're, they're working on these patterns a lot more, I bet when they're home. So I, right. I agree with that. I, I think they're just better every year, which is the reason to have a tour, right? Is to yeah. see it's the best just, get better. Right. It's just like any other sport. I mean, you know, if you watch any of the old football, you know, the guys in leather helmets and I mean, the guys today would destroy them. Basketball, same thing. I mean, it's, you're always constantly improving. You're, never going to be I mean look at golf even you know, look at these guys out there in golf <laughs> you know yeah. they have to make courses longer and more stuff in the way so I just think you know it's, it'll be the same thing they'll, they'll the ladies will get better and then they'll switch the patterns up and we also you know we collect data on the bowling centers that we go bowling you know we track the lanes that are a little a little weird a little different or you know tendencies of the house or stuff like that so we have that when we go back too so we're not to worry you know we're not Oh yeah, this is the. I think it was this land. I'm not really sure. Well, take the guesswork out of it, right? Yeah, it's in black and white. So hey, you're going to 42. You know, 40. You know, they hook a little bit more there. Or hooks a little less there. A little tighter in the back. A little earlier. Stuff like that. <laughs> Sean, let's uh, let's step away from bowling for a little bit. Uh, rumor has it that you are a little bit of a craft beer guru. Can you confirm? I I like to and. Indulge in what I like, yeah. I have some stuff. <laughs> so, can you uh, can you tell us about the uh, favorite, your most favorite beer that you've tried? Uh, I mean, it's putting you on the spot here. Yeah, wow, that's a tough one. I would. I mean, Guinness is still my favorite. God, but, yes, but, yes. Uh, I mean, I like a, a lot of the stouts, so the the darker ones. So, I would say, but it's the same. I mean, they're they're different every year. The batches are different. There was a funky buddha batch of last snow like three four years ago that was unbelievable and it just kind of tapered off they've gotten a little bigger and you know the the they just don't taste the same it's i mean it's a huge industry so a lot of the big groups get in and and buy them up constellation group got in and and bought funky buddha up which is good for them because now the distribution is a lot more so it's easier to get them but then the batches are a lot bigger and not quite as this not quite the same. Have so. Have you been to Ireland and had a fresh Guinness off the line? I have not. So that's that's one of the wife wife and I's places we're gonna go within the next like three to four years. Most definitely, dude. That's bucket list for me as well. Yeah, Matt, a, sounds like you uh, you need to buy Sean a beer next time he's in town. I would love to share a Guinness <laughs> with him, dude. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, one this, or just I didn't partake I mean, one. Well, one? I mean, obviously, I'm gonna. All right, whatever, dude. <laughs> I mean, I didn't get I didn't get this chin for nothing, dude. It's full of Guinness. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> full of trashy bourbon. That's what it's full of. I hope. All right, so Sean, last question. Uh, I happen to be an uh, an avid shoe collector. I happen to see that you have a uh, pretty nice Jordan shoe collection. Can you confirm? Uh yeah. I, I got some. You got some. Yeah. I think you're being modest, but anyway, what can you uh, can you tell the listeners and us what your favorite favorite pair of Jays is? Uh, it's the infrared sixes, just because it was my first pair of shoes, my first pair of Jordans. Uh, in fourth grade, I wanted them for the school year because the the guys that babysit me babysat me then were huge into the the shoes at the time. I had no idea, but I wanted them. And mom said, uh-uh, you're going to have to work for them. Those are way too expensive. So she made me put them on layaway and work them off. And I got the, the pair of, they weren't retro then. 
So the the Jordan sixes at the time were the hot hot stuff. Whoa, there. wait a minute. The, so the 2019 Air Jordan six infrared is two hundred and sixty dollars. Uh, I mean, hey, I have that one, and I have the the previous release. It was the the fourteens. I have those too. I haven't worn them. Oh, I mean, just just I, have them to I, collect. Yeah, still, uh, I would never wear a pair of shoes. I, wow, I'd be well, too afraid I'd scuff them. <laughs> Sean, do you uh, do you own any uh, Adidas superstars like Matt does? Uh, I do have one pair, uh, just because they had the the boost the the boost technology in them. So it's a little mix of the the new and the old, but they're not very comfortable. Exactly the reason why I purchased them for the boost technology. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, and they were on are... sale for twenty nine ninety nine at Kohl's. <laughs> hold, hold everything, hold everything. D Hart, are those the ones that we got from Matt's wedding that he gave to us? That's a hundred percent tone. Oh, yeah, God. you don't now like you, them. Now they you know look why fine. we got them. Because <laughs> I've worn them a couple times since, and I'm like, damn, these things are terribly uncomfortable. Yeah, you got to break them in, dude. You got to oh. break them in. Oh, okay. All right. I, mine aren't terrible. Mine aren't terrible once I broke them in a little bit. If you haven't noticed, uh, Matt Kuchar took those to Skechers and said, make me these into golf shoes. <laughs> Cooch. I'm more, of a, I'm more of a Cortez guy when it comes to the, every, the everyday shoe. What's a I, don't e- I don't even know what that means. <laughs> you know what it is. The Nike Cortez. If you looked at them, you'd you'd know. Derek, them. Derek. No, 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 no. Ray Fontaine. You know, Forrest Gump. All that good stuff. Look oh. them up. Yeah, you'll know what it is. Running. Yeah, those shoes that he wears. Those are Cortezes. Yeah. Very yeah. original. Very natural. Sean, it sounds like we need to take this conversation to the uh, to the bar over at Guinness and leave these two <laughs> clowns elsewhere. Well, no doubt. Listen, dude, I'm all about trying and, you know, trying to talk about something different, right? But, I mean, yeah, I'm going to say I'd be lost in a shoe conversation with you guys. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean you would be? You and I are both lost, yeah, right? Well, you're Googling uh, yeah, by the I mean, second. Yeah. Oh, I've most definitely Googled. You're yeah. hammering, the, hammering the keyboard over there. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we've made it to, to almost to the finish line, Sean. It's time for the hot minute. So, uh like we mentioned, we're going to give you four rapid-fire questions. These are D-Heart specials. Uh, think of the first thing that comes to your mind and fire it out there. And, of course, we may have a rebuttal or two, just depending on how lame the answers are. Perfect. Or, or how great they are. We don't know yet. So, with that being said, D-Heart, are you ready? I'm ready. Sean, you ready? Yeah, let's go. All right. First question. What is the best cartoon TV show? Roadrunner. Roadrunner. Interesting. I did not expect now, that. Now, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, did Roadrunner have his own show? Because I feel like he played second fiddle. I mean... To the guy always killed? Coyote? Yeah, to the guy always killed? That can never catch him? Come on. All right, all right. All right. So is that, Maybe. Is that be Bugs Bunny, but the Roadrunners... It's same, yeah, the Looney, Looney uh, Tunes area. Looney so, yeah. Tunes. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a great answer. I, I like that. When answer. is the uh, next Ebonite ball going to come out? It could be just the the Roadrunner. Has there ever been a ball called the Roadrunner? I feel like one of the cable companies has that trademark, so that probably would. Ah, uh, yeah. It was it's like called. Time Warner, I think. Yep, you're right. Yeah. All right, Sean. Question number two: 
If you had to pick a concert to go to, former or current artist, who would it be? I'd have to be Eminem. Eminem. And your favorite song of theirs would be? Oh, jeez. Tony, brace yourself. Gosh. Please say it. Say it. (laughs) Say it! I don't don't know, man. Damn, that's a hard one. True. You want to cut? You want to come back to that one? Yeah, let's come back to that one. Okay. Well, while you're thinking deeply, question number three: What are three foods that will never make it onto your plate? Uh, <laughs> I mean, you can learn so much about a person about the foods they hate, dude. Durian. It's a disgusting fruit over in Southeast Asia. What's uh, it called? Durian. Durian. God, I gotta Google again, dude. What I mean, this is awesome. D U R I A N. It it smells like you wore socks in the gym for a month and you never took them off, and then you oh. finally peeled them off. <laughs> oh, and that's what a is fruit. That thing, it's, dude. It's got it's got spines on it. Yeah, yeah. It's I tried it. I did give it a go because they told me different people have different palates. Like there's some people that think it's super sweet and amazing and. It's the best fruit ever, and then there's me that disagreed. Durian wow. sounds like a band from the 1980s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, nice try, Matt. Right, we're not gonna we're not gonna give you that one. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm not all, right. all right. All uh, right. Uh, next two foods. Uh, I'm not a fan of vegetables, string beans, peas, any of those, corn, anything like that. Not wow. hitting, not hitting it. God, just meat and potatoes. Yeah, somewhat. I'm not really a potato fan either. Oh, yeah, if it's from the earth, I'm usually not too big of a fan of it. Anything that's genetically modified is what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> now we're getting down to brass tacks. I need it. I need it blood flowing through it at some point. And okay. now we're in business. And then I guess I don't catch up. I don't like condiments either. I'm very oh plain. Oh, yeah, I, gotta hang, I gotta hang up. Uh, I mean, okay. Oh, boy. Yeah. I can I can only take so much, but when the man questions Heinz 57 and A1, I've got to step no, 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 up the call. No, stop. Real quick, Sean, one word answer. Mayonnaise, yes or no? No. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he falls into that phenomenal 40%. <laughs> Seems pretty high. You're almost passing. <laughs> All right. Uh, so the fourth question, and I had to cater it a little bit more to your to your preference, but what five NBA players would be in your all-time starting lineup? Jordan, uh, Iverson, uh, Shaq. Uh, There's that Orlando coming out. Yeah. T-Mac and probably Penny. Wow. That's a three, pretty good squad. Three magic players. Anfernee. Anfernee. Nice. Yeah. That's good. Can you name, I like that. Sean, can you name the movie that Penny Hardaway starred in with Nick Nolte and Shaq? Yeah, Blue Chips. Absolutely. Nice. <laughs> nice. We're giving layups now? You you had to look the K. He almost wasn't sure that was too easy. Hey, man. You never know. Crushed. All right. So we got to go back to question number two. Did you did you think of that Eminem song? I'm personally a huge fan of Rap God, so that would probably be it. Rap God? Yeah. I'm gonna have to check that one out. I don't think I've heard that. I don't think gets, I know that one. He gets me pretty hyped. It's yeah, he goes in. Okay. 
You guys got you guys got any rebuttals to Sean? Any disagreements? Uh, I like the NBA top five. A uh, little sketchy on T Mac, but I can definitely get <laughs> up the other but. four. Yeah, I'm just not not much of a T Mac fan, but I definitely like the other four. So that's a pretty athlete. That's a pretty athletic bunch. Yeah, I like I like the highlight reels. Yeah, Tony, Tony, you're out on on Tracy McGrady in that group. I right. feel like that's an awesome wild card. I mean, I wasn't expecting T Mac in there. No, that was. But, I mean, Iverson, I mean, wouldn't you love to go back in time and watch him play? Would you like to see him play in today's NBA? I would. Oh, man. He would, he he would, he would average a lot more because he'd be shooting a lot more free throws. That's right. All the times he ended up in the first <laughs> row playing the Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> he, would, he wouldn't be on the ground near as much. Cameraman beware. That's right. He, he wouldn't be playing with chumps like Eric Snow and George Lynch either. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, those guys nowadays, they're super tough. I love the way they just fall over. Oh, man. I feel like that's a, that's a dig, but either way. <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys, 6'7", 280, lowers his shoulder and hits a guy and goes the other way. It's unbelievable. God, I, I, need, I need to have this discussion with you and my other friends because that is exactly what I say, but for another time. All right. <laughs> it's good stuff. Well, all right. Well, Sean, thanks so much for the time today. We really appreciate it. Uh, and thanks for taking us uh, into the one-minute zone. There were some great answers. I definitely love the fact that uh, your three foods that aren't going to make it start off extraordinarily specific. Durian, which is a Southeast Asian fruit, followed by another very specific category, vegetables, <laughs> followed, followed by even more specificness with condiments, which is basically anything in a bottle. Yes. So hey, hey, wouldn't you like to know. check out that dude's cabinet? It's Cabinets, pantry. Yeah. There's not wouldn't much take, going on in there. Wouldn't take long. Wouldn't take long. You could, you could close one eye, barely crack the door, and see everything. <laughs> Dude, yep. can you get? Can you guys imagine what Sean and his wife had to go through during their wedding meal planning? But see, like this all, is, all these this, things are off the list. This is the <laughs> best part, though. We just got married at the courthouse, and then we had a big party a couple months later. So there was none of that nonsense. Oh man, God. Simple. Perfect. That's yeah. Right. It's craft beer and cake. Eat before <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. It was, it, was at, it was. It was at a pub. So yeah. It was. There you go. It was, it was craft beer and we had some cake and the the owner of the bar made some food for everybody and we didn't really do too much. She hooked us up. Nice. Nice. Well played. Yeah. Was, you know. She was like, hey, I like craft beer. I don't want any kids. So marry me. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna have to start uh, next our next interview with the hot minute, and then if there's time for anything else, we'll just go from there. Sure. The hot minute, the hot minute gets everything revved up. Now Sean's ready to go another 40 minutes. That's right. Let's talk uh, NBA, uh, lack of condiments. <laughs> All right, well, uh, Sean, no thanks again. We really appreciate it. Good luck this week uh, at the U.S. Open. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you down the road. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Take it easy, Sean. All right, take it easy, guys.